Hello, and welcome to another edition of the BJ Psych Advances podcast. My name is Oliver Gill Grant, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mariano Pinto de Costa, who is a consultant psychiatrist at South London and Maudsley Foundation Trust and a senior lecturer at King's College London. We're here to discuss her new paper in BJ Psych Advances, To Triage or Not to Triage, The History and Evidence for This Model of Care in Psychiatry, which is written with her colleagues, Daniel Salim Kumar and James Gary Chivers. Mariana, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Oliver. So your paper talks about uh, the triage ward system of inpatient care and gives uh, an overview of the history of this model and then a discussion of some of the evidence of its pros and cons. So give us a brief summary of the main points of the paper. Yeah, sure. So basically, this this article uh, reviews the history of triage wards and also like the principles and the evidence for this model, uh, which basically is that with relation to the length of stay, there is a shorter mean and median in the triage model, but this is uh, not statistically significant. And then uh, with relation to readmission rates, there was no difference in one-year readmissions. And then finally, with uh, what concerns staff and patient satisfaction, we didn't find any difference in terms of patient satisfaction, but actually staff satisfaction in the locality wards where there was a triage system in place, the satisfaction was lower. Okay, that's interesting. So the staff satisfaction actually in the locality wards, so the downstream wards, I guess, where somebody would go from the triage ward was actually lower with the triage system. Well, so basically this paper is an overview of different other articles that have been published in this uh, system. And what we know is that actually there is little evidence comparing you know, the triage model of care with the traditional inpatient model of care. And equally, uh, the evidence that does exist hasn't been synthesized. Mm. And I have been working in different triage wards uh, in different parts of London and together with two um, other colleagues, uh, Dania Salim Kumar and James Gary Chivers, we've put together this article in the expectation to also like summarize the evidence that exists. And so with relation to staff satisfaction, it's quite interesting because the, the results are, are mixed. What we, we know is that in previous articles, uh, it was found a worse burnout in the traditional model of care. But equally, in the traditional model of care, there was better staff satisfaction. So this is uh, a bit unclear to to unpick why is this the case? Because you have like worse burnout, but equally the satisfaction was better. Mm -hmm. So kind of a confusing result that doesn't seem to make sense. I guess we should have probably started before we jumped into talking about this with just giving a little overview of the triage model. I imagine that this is familiar to most psychiatrists, but basically what most people are talking about when they say a triage ward is um, a ward to which 100% of new admissions will go initially. And uh, is, is there any other features that you think define a triage ward? Yeah, so basically the term triage uh, 
in itself, it illustrates that the patients are assessed and prioritized according to needs. And um, triage wards were introduced as a new model in 2004 in, in Lewisham, and then they were expanded to other parts of the country. And they were created at a time that there were a lot of concerns with traditional inpatient care, uh, basically concerns about the quality of care with patient dissatisfaction, a number of serious incidents, but equally like staff burnout and high turnover of, of staff. There was at that time high rates of bed occupancy, which led to delays in patient admission. So this was, you know, the country around the early 2000s. And it was also at that time that the NHS plan uh, mandated the rollout of more than 300 home treatment teams um, across the UK. This attempt to reduce hospital admissions and um, facilitate earlier discharges. And so it was under this context that uh, the triage model was created. And the idea was that patients were admitted for assessment and then depending on the assessment, they were discharged to primary care or to a community mental health team or to home treatment team. Or if they required a longer admission, then they would be admitted to a locality ward. So normally the length of stay was uh, at this time, like in the early 2000s, up to seven days. Uh, after which the patient was was transferred. And so the idea was that there would be like a, a management plan started early on in patients' admission to reduce the length of stay. And the findings that we have was that actually this was, you know, able to, to happen. The rates of it occurred occupancy were more optimal, so they reduced to 70%, which means that then beds were more readily available to patients that needed to be admitted either from emergency services that sometimes, you know, like can accumulate uh, people waiting for an, an, an admission when they are actively unwell, uh, but also from the community. Yeah, so that was, you know, like the rational when it was created. And then in 2014, this uh, triage model was expanded um, at SLAM to th three boroughs. So not only Lewisham, where it started, but also like Croydon and Lambeth. And so you have obviously the feature of the triage ward, which is that it's where people are coming to first and that the goal is that you're going to triage the patient, you're going to try and put them into the most appropriate follow-on service. Now, is the other thing about the triage ward that you note here is that there was a higher level of consultant availability on the triage ward than on the locality wards. So it's the idea was basically that they'd get to see a consultant when you arrive very quickly, and that would speed up the time uh, to take a decision about the clinical care. So is that the main practical difference between how care is carried out on a triage ward to a traditional locality ward? Or um, are there any other differences to how the actual model of inpatient care works on a triage ward? Yeah, well, um, first of all, let me go back to the early 2000s. <laughs> because uh, I guess there were a number of principles that were quite uh, revolutionizing at that time, uh, which included, for example, like the use of information technology. So in Lewisham, in the early 2000s, there was like a large screen where information about the patients was uh, displayed every day in MDT meetings, and everyone would have uh, detailed access and information to the patient that was being discussed. And of course, now we're in 2022. <laughs> 
<laughs> so how you know technology is used uh, in uh, clinical care uh, it's not that innovative and transformative as it was you know like in the early 2000s but that was something that that was also a principle then uh, one of the th- things that you were mentioning like a senior review within 24 hours of admission was one of the core principles in the psychiatric triage model, which even included that there were there were two part-time consultants working at that time. And this included a consultant review on Saturdays. And this meant that decisions uh, wouldn't be delayed. And equally at that time, there was always a philosophy of an MDT approach uh, with uh, the involvement of social workers. Uh, but also of dual diagnosis professionals in the assessment. So, for example, if someone who was admitted in hospital who had a, a, a substance use disorder, then there was more rapidly the involvement of dual diagnosis professionals to, to screen out the aim of that admission to hospital and to facilitate discharge. And the other thing was there was a view that from day one of the admission, there was like a discharge planning discussion, which meant that in some admissions from very early on, it was possible to map out a plan that that patient required a longer admission. And therefore, it was clear from early on that the patient would need to be referred to a locality worth. Uh, But equally, some patients don't require long admissions, and sometimes admissions might be quite short and might be uh, as a response to crisis, in which case it was easier to assess them, but also like to facilitate a safe discharge early on. Um, And then the other thing, which was still in the principles of a a triage ward, was the the close involvement, but also the early involvement of care coordinators and community mental health teams so that patients could be rapidly, safely discharged back to the community. And finally, I guess what I've mentioned earlier, like the earlier uh, involvement of home treatment team to facilitate early discharge from hospital because early treatment team officially is still within what we call acute care, but by allowing the patients go back to the community and sleep there, they have the support from the home treatment teams in terms of monitoring their mental health status or adherence to medication, but they're not in hospital 24 hours. So I think these were like the the core principles at that time, which were quite innovative and made that this type of of service was uh, implemented in other areas across the country. And and it still exists today in in Mm. different parts. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of those things have probably now become uh, fairly commonplace on every psychiatric ward. So ideas like uh, early involvement of the community team, ideas like starting discharge planning on day one of admission. I think this is probably things that have spread to uh, most inpatient uh, models, I guess. I think most wards probably incorporate some of those things. Um, so I, I guess the, the, the next part of your paper is discussing the actual evidence for whether this triage model is more efficacious than traditional inpatient care. And as you say, the the Uh, research results here from pre-existing studies are somewhat mixed. Yeah, I guess, you know, in healthcare, health services research, we do research on, you know, uh, the efficacy of uh, different services, but then 
why and how and when services are implemented in a certain way. Um, there are several decisions that are down to you know decision makers and policy makers and uh, and sometimes they are taken also to respond to pressure that exists. And I think um, there has been a time that there were questions around the effectiveness of uh, the triage model of care. But equally, what we found in the summary is that the research that was conducted on this type of, of services showed that it's at least as good, if not better, than the traditional model. Uh, of course, these require resources. And one of the things that uh, was described in this triage model was that there was a senior review within 24 hours of, of admission. And even these days, there's a lot of discussions around what happens over the weekends and what type of professionals can work over the weekends and whether if you would hire <laughs> um more staff to work over the weekends, uh, whether that would make any change in terms of length of stay and, and discharges. So these are discussions that are happening today and they are beyond uh, this paper. But what we have done, uh, having worked um, the three of us, the three co-authors in this type of service uh, as a triage model was basically to summarize and synthesize the evidence um, that exists of other researchers and clinicians that uh, have worked and have studied this model of care and uh, to show and to remind people that the evidence that exists is that triage wards are at least as good, if not better, than the traditional model. For example, I think there are two parts that I think these days is important to highlight, which was triage models enable higher rates of rapid discharge with uh, a greater proportion of acute care than performed in the community with the support of home treatment teams. And I really want to emphasize how important um, home treatment teams are to have these services operating. But equally, the triage model has enabled to a lower bed occupancy which I think these days is very, very important because we, we see in the news um, there are many patients in A&E and many people waiting for a psychiatric bed. There are, have been a number of articles in the media reporting this. And the triage model did allow a lower bed occupancy by uh, more rapidly screening patients that would require longer admissions and might be treatment resistant and by seeing their story, trying to signpost the best uh, pathway and the best care plan. But equally, those patients that do not require a hospital admission to safely engage them to uh, resources and community services that can continue to support them in the community. And by doing that, by allowing another bend for a patient that requires other type of admission. And, and, and finally, also like to avoid that patients just stay a lot of time in A&E &E and well, waiting for a mm. bit. And I, I suppose the um, patient uh, outcomes are, as you say, at least not worse and possibly a bit better. The other angle, of course, is the staff experience. So um, you go over in your paper a little bit here that basically you have some changes in staff experience in the whole system when you when you implement the triage model, which basically is that actually staff satisfaction reduces 
in the downstream wards, in the locality wards. So I, I find that quite an interesting observation that's um, maybe different to my own personal experience. So what, what do you think about that? I guess that's an interesting point. I can only speculate, but I guess one potential explanation would be that then patients that might require more support from social services, for example, or might be treatment resistant, then stay for longer periods in the locality wards, and then they might even delay you know, further the discharge of these patients that for a number of reasons, their admission might be more complicated. And that could be a reason to explain why staff then become more demoralized. Mm. I suppose, yeah, it, it's it's obvious, isn't it, really, that if you have a triage model in place, you're going to have uh, the most acutely uh, unwell patients probably going to be on the triage ward. And so therefore, people that come to the other wards, as you say, are going to have a lower uh, level of acuity, but may you may then collect patients that for some reason can't be discharged. So I suppose something that I've observed, and I guess a lot of people listening would have observed, is that when you work in a hospital that has a triage ward on the way in, uh, it does change the character of the other wards to be uh, people who have, as you say, a lower level of acuity, but maybe some other need. But of course, it also just changed the character of the triage ward that's going to have a higher level of acuity. And I think you can sort of see that in some of the staff uh, statistics you quote here. Like I think you get a sort of a higher rates of sickness amongst staff on the triage ward. Is that correct? Yeah, well, well, first of all, one of the things that we say that more research is needed is actually around the number and difference on uh, serious incidents between triage wards and locality wards. However, there was a paper by uh, Hayes and all in 2012 and they reviewed the data from admissions on acute assessments in North London. And they found no significant differences in incidence of verbal or physical aggression in comparison with uh, data gathered previously in psychiatric wards in the city uh, 128 study. So, of course, this is, you know, like only uh, one example and more research is needed also because there is these reports from staff and people that might be listening to us <laughs> but have worked in the past in triage wards. Uh, everyone is aware that there are a number of patients that might be actively unwell and when they are together that can lead to a number of potential challenges in, in managing situations. Um, but equally, the research that has been done, looking at least on the differences in incidence in terms of verbal and physical aggression, didn't find any difference. Yeah. So actually, maybe, as you say, it's not really the case that you necessarily have a worse, um, a worse experience of adverse events on the triage ward. Um, so you finish your paper with sort of this question of to triage or not to triage. And you, you you sort of go over the pros and cons there. So if, if you were to start a new psychiatric hospital tomorrow, uh, would you start it with a triage board or, or without one? Uh, that's a very good question. I guess there are pros and cons. I personally think that services that have the principles of the triage, uh, they're good uh, to both avoid admissions, but equally to support patients that might not require an admission, but they still need support, 
Because when we say to avoid admissions, I think it captures a lot of things. And it might be that also like different hospitals and different services and different teams have different thresholds or even sometimes criteria of admission. But that does not mean that these people that go to a or that go to services or sometimes our uh, services are alerted uh, about them need support. And I think we really need to provide support uh, to people that have mental illness or are acutely unwell and are sent to services. Now, there are a number of, of services that can be available in the community. And I think the more resources that we have in the community from um, assertive outreach teams or, or services that are sometimes like 24-7 available to respond to patients' needs in the, the community. They might also help to diminish this need for inpatient admission because uh, inpatient admissions is always linked with what are the services available. And sometimes if there are less services available in the community, then these forces that more patients are, are sent and referred to, to hospital to be admitted. And uh, so I think it's important to have like triages that help out to differentiate how we can best support that person. And in some cases, it might be through a long admission for a number of things, you know, like changing medications that can be done in the community or providing like a safe space when patients are presenting high risk to self and others or from others, uh, but equally to triage the situations that we can safely discharge patients rapidly to the best service that can support them in the community. So I think triage services should exist, but equally more services in the community that can support patients to be better included in the community. Well, I think most people would uh, definitely agree with you on that final point. Mariana, thank you so much for joining us. That was Dr. Mariana Pinto de Costa. We were discussing her new paper, To Triage or Not to Triage, The History and Evidence for this Model of Care in Psychiatry, which is published in BJ Psych Advances with her colleagues, Dania Salim-Kumar and James Gary Chivers. Mariana, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this BJ Psych Advances podcast. For the latest updates, follow us on Twitter at the BJ Psych. To listen to more podcasts from the BJ Psych Journal portfolio, visit us on SoundCloud or search for us online.